Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is the story of how one small island conquered the world. Jamaican Patwa. And a fair start, a Samba Pound. Usain Bolt is also out well. Here they come down the track. Usain Bolt! It's a story of music, sport and style. How its rhythms, athletes and language went global. Pull up, pull up! This is how Jamaica conquered the world. My name is Wayne Marshall. I'm a musicologist from Cambridge, Massachusetts. My name is Marlon Bishop. I'm a journalist and radio producer with Afropop Worldwide in New York City. My name is Philip Sman. I am from Cuba. I do Afro-American and Caribbean music. down to Panama to do some research a couple years ago and was just blown away by the way in which the Jamaican migration to Panama completely changed the cultural panorama there. Now, reggaeton is a fascinating story and it has a lot of history to it. I mean, essentially, you kind of have to start in Panama and you have to look at the numbers of Jamaicans and other West Indian migrants who moved there in the late 19th and early 20th century to work on the canal and other sort of large-scale building projects. Panama is a country in Central America between Colombia and Costa Rica and is famously the spot of the narrowest point between the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean, so they built the big canal there and ships go through it. And Panama, in order to build that canal, they required a lot of people. And there were various attempts to build this canal, which led to various migrations of people to build it. But the most successful one came from a U.S.-backed attempt, which began in the late 1800s and ended in the early 20th century. And that involved many, many laborers who came from Jamaica and other parts of the West Indies. You know, there were long-scale population exchanges in that region, but the canal became a big part of it. And to this day, a, a large percentage, um, I can't give an exact figure, but a large percentage of, of Panamanians are of Jamaican descent. Many of them have English last names. Uh, some older people still speak English. Many do not. And, you know, based on, on the Caribbean city of Colón, you know, is, is a Jamaican city in, in Latin America. Who knows if they would continue to describe it as such. For years and years and years, uh, artists in Panama have been taking Jamaican songs, um, you know, using the B-sides and 
and redoing them in Spanish. Um, and a whole, you know, there's a whole sound system culture that developed in Panama around the same time that it developed in in Jamaica um, and with a, with a trade back and forth of records. And actually this goes back even farther because of the huge Calypso tradition as well. You know, some of the most famous Calypsonians were from the, the northern coast of Panama in, in the towns of Cologne and, and, and the other mostly places of Jamaican parentage. And, and there's this famous story about the time that the, uh, the famous Calypso composer Mighty Sparrow went to Panama and lost a, a big Calypso competition to, 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 to local singers. And, and so you have Calypso in Spanish as well, you know. Um, you actually have a really interesting music scene in general because you have, you know, the huge American military influence which brought all this old soul and doo-wop music and you have all that stuff going on in Spanish. And you have some great salsa artists like Ruben Blades. Um, and all of that's kind of mixing up in, in Panama. to Panama a couple of years ago um, and to do research on, on reggae and, and, and speak to some, some reggae artists and and uh, I was just really blown away by the by the, the big footprint of Jamaican culture in Panama. You hear it in the streets everywhere. Um, the, the kids selling mixtapes, it's all full of, of reggae classics. Some way or another, through various modes of transmission, uh, this music eventually made its way to Puerto Rico, where it would eventually become reggaeton. Um, this kind of very, even though Puerto Rico and Jamaica are, are very close to each other in the Caribbean, uh, the music had to take this really long path to, to eventually get to Puerto Rico. Yeah, where does reggaeton come from? Well, that's that's a big debate, to be honest with you. You know, some people would say, well, of course it comes from Jamaica because reggae is the basis for it. Others would say, well, no, you know, we have to we have to pay tribute to Panama because it was in Panama that um, you know some of these second, third, fourth generation Jamaican migrants really picked up reggae and started to first do it in Spanish. You know, and that's one of the big things that that makes reggaeton what is it? What it is is in a sense it's a it's dancehall reggae in Spanish. Now in the 1980s when that first started to bubble up in Panama, generally they were calling it reggae in español. Very simply put, um, the term reggaeton doesn't emerge until far later, more like the turn of the millennium. One of the first things you notice in, in Panama is the soundtrack of being in Panama is entirely different than it is anywhere else in Latin America for various reasons but largely because of the influence of the Jamaican population. You don't hear reggaeton really. You hear reggae in Espanol which is uh, Spanish reggae. And what that is, is you know, hard-hitting Jamaican dancehall beats, the exact rhythms that are popular in Jamaica at any given time, uh, redone by Panamanian artists in Spanish for the domestic market. And you hear it everywhere. That is the music of Panama. Let the rhythm take control of your mind, your body, and your soul. Let the rhythm take control of your mind, your body, and your soul. Find your body, and your soul. Find your body, and your soul. In the early 90s, a style developed in Puerto Rico that was called underground, and it was a mixture of rap and reggae being performed in these kind of long mixtape formats. Two DJs, one named DJ Negro and another named DJ Flyero, each 
would put out these mixtapes that were filled with long 30-minute cuts of dance hall and rap going back and forth, all performed in Spanish with a bunch of artists coming in, chopping up these samples from hip-hop and reggae, and kind of just this great cultural mix-up that only the early 90s could have given. And famously, the, the sound that, that made it to, this, um, to these mixtapes more than anything else was the rhythm for Bam Bam, the, the, the Jamaican song by Chaka Demas and Pliers. And uh, these three guitar chops from, from that track, chunk, 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 later became parts of, uh, of Murder, She Wrote and, and numerous other popular songs in Jamaica, became the skeleton of underground and just lasted throughout all of the underground music. The way this transmission happened was, was through New York and it was through Panamanian communities and Puerto Rican communities that lived uh, side by side in New York. Here in New York, there's uh, a significant Jamaican Panamanian population that's actually located three blocks from where I'm sitting right now on Franklin Avenue, which is a kind of thoroughfare of, of the Jamaican Panamanian community here in New York. The presence of that community meant the presence of, of Spanish language reggae in, in the 80s and 90s when, when this kind of transmission was happening. And specifically, one star named El General, or the General, became really popular among Latinos in New York. And he was a Panamanian, had moved to New York. Pues quiero que le digas a tu amigas que el rey del pum pum acaba de llegar y nadie lo puede parar. Soy llora, porque yo cualquier nedal. Tu pum pum, mami, mami, no me van matar. Tu pum pum, mami, mami, no me van matar. Tu pum pum, mami, mami, no me van matar. Tu pum pum, mami, mami, no me van matar. In New York City, in fact, that you get Panamanians collaborating with Jamaicans and producing some of these really seminal reggae and espanol records, um, records like El General's Muevelo and Pebes Buena and uh, Tucum Pum. And these were, were records produced on Long Island, of all places, uh, actually in the studio of Philip Smart, a Jamaican emigre um, who produced some of the biggest dance hall hits of the 1990s in his little studio in, on Long Island. And uh, what you had were expatriates, you know, from Panama, from Jamaica, from all over Latin America and the Caribbean, coming together to very strategically try to make crossover records. In lots of cases, taking the contemporary dance hall hits of the day, something like, say, Shabarank's Dembo, translating it almost directly into Spanish. So there's a few records that are made that uh, end up doing very well with the Spanish-speaking community in New York, and then, of course, also travel back to the other homes of these people, whether that's Puerto Rico, Panama, Dominican Republic, Honduras, Cuba, and so forth. In the years of 1990-something, in Cuba people were listening to international music, people were listening to rock, people were listening to Beatles, people were listening to Michael Jackson, people were listening to old school hip-hop, any kind of music, but Reggae music was you no know, was really like as a popular could be because when I was living in that area in the east of Cuba, like it's more close to Jamaica, and we got more people black they was listening more reggae than the people from the west. Well, 
political system in Cuba, basically talking about reggae music, that it was really difficult to find a place where you can go out to enjoy that kind of music. You have place to go and enjoy rock, heavy rock, but you you not got place to go and enjoy will not be disturbed by the police or by the government association or however. White, black, everybody like reggae. But the point is that it's not a place where you can go and freely uh, uh, be the whole night listening to reggae music. Nineteen eighty-seven, when I write my first track, together with David Perez Mesa, who lives in Miami now, we wasn't in, in the high school. Hip hop, all the ground, but not the ground, all the school. But we don't got beat, so we do big box in the town. We was considering the pioneers. A popular artist that giving us the inspiration for the reggaeton for Cuban, the general. Since I was remember, a few others was doing rap in Spanish, you know. But the general from Panama, the Panamanian, uh, he had Jamaican blood. He was the one, the really first one that we could. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Listen to him and understand what he says, so they're giving us a really huge inspiration about reggae. You, you can listen to reggae in English as you just follow the sound, but when you listen in your language, so you understand what it's everything about, what they're talking to. So we just follow. I could say that the general is the one. He's the one. So by the early 90s, you've got this sort of burgeoning reggae and Espanol scene in, in New York and, and every place that New York is plugged into. Bocat? Yes, man! Voy a decirlo vulgarmente! Todos esos mamones que se echen para atrás y esas mamonas. Iris, Dembo, 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 Dembo. Around this time is when we got the Dembo. 
And the dembo uh, nowadays refers to the rhythm of reggaeton, the drum beat, the same way you might have a merengue beat or a uh, different varieties of salsa beats. You have the dembo beat. And it originally comes from a Shabarank song called Dembo, which was redone in Panama by a Panamanian artist named Nando Boom. And Nando Boom, he didn't use the same actual recorded beat, but he copied very closely the Shabarank's beat, which is kind of different from other reggae beats. It, it, it has the reggae feel, but it has those bass notes on every downbeat. So you get this more sauntering, swaggering rhythm that, that defines reggaeton and kind of separates it from dancehall today. But, but that rhythm was originally a, a, the rhythm on a dancehall track. That beat was taken and sped up in the underground music and, and used for all the underground songs and then eventually slowed back down and used in all of what became reggaeton in the late 90s and 2000s, which was the evolution of underground, where they stopped using the hip-hop beats and exclusively started using the dembo beats. And so dembo, literally the same sampled recording of dembo, became the, the, the sonic stamp of reggaeton. It became what defined reggaeton largely, along with other musical characteristics. But at the root, there was a dembo. And, and only more recently are we seeing a reggaeton that does not include dembo. Um, it also became the curse uh, of those who didn't like reggaeton, of which there were many. Um, reggaeton was fantastically uh, popular among uh, Latinos and really just everybody um, once it kind of blew up overseas, but it also was really hated by people who those didn't like it because because really overnight, all of a sudden, the only thing we heard was this dembo over and over again. Clima produciendo. Ella se, ella se, ella se, ella se prende, 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 prende. Latino stations in New York immediately switched their entire programming strategies. They stopped playing salsa and merengue and bachata and all the things they played before and exclusively played reggaeton. Um, it was this new radio format that was invented by the, uh, the American music companies who eyed this, this explosion of this music hungrily. Um, branding it as Hispanic, urban, or, or whatever it was. And the idea was this was going to be the hip-hop for Latinos. And, and to a large degree, it, it is. In Puerto Rico, they decided to see dancehall reggae as a kind of, as a resource in the same way that the hip-hop producers there and in New York had been working with funk and so forth. So they started to chop up these these rhythms and rearrange them and create their own new beats out of them uh, and the and likewise the the rap style too as much as it was indebted to to dancehall reggae style also you know was was quite a hybrid um, hip hop uh, being a, a heavy part of that mix too so you start to get to get young rappers uh, like a young daddy Yankee Evie Queen who very stylishly can uh, navigate this hybrid sound and start to really produce something that sounds quite original in its way, despite how derivative it is, it really starts to sound like a Puerto Rican take on, you know, contemporary urban dance music, urban club music.
And initially, this is a pretty small scene. You know, these guys, Playero and The Noise, they're making mixtapes, essentially. Um, you know, uh, informally produced cassettes that would get passed around hand to hand. You know, there'd be an initial small run, but then they would really circulate quite, quite amazingly um, in Puerto Rico and then in the diaspora. Um, and so eventually the sound um, became a commercial one. Uh, by the late 90s, you start to get um, a real club scene, both in, in Puerto Rico and in New York, devoted to the sound, and commercial recordings take off for, for these artists. That's when the branding starts to happen, where they start to say, oh, this isn't reggae, this isn't hip-hop, you know, this is reggaeton. In a certain sense, it's a way of, of really carving out a market share. You know, right after the turn of the millennium or so, that there start to be openings, um, commercial openings in, uh, in the United States, especially with interest from major labels, so that you start to get reggaeton finding its way into new spaces and so forth. The band Triangle Oscuro, success from 2001 till 2007, was quite fast was unexpected, it was a dream. I find somebody that belonged to the record company Egren and he just asking us for a copy of all music. One week after, we was just signing a paper with the Cuban discographic in 2001. So in that year, we, we recorded with them our first album, album Amo Verses. In the same year, the album was um, signed by Sony for distribution. It was taking number one in the, in the category of pop fusion. Reggaeton emerged on the global stage somewhere around 2005 with the insane popularity of the Daddy Yankee song Gasolina. You may recognize it from Dame Mas Gasolina. You know the song. Everybody knew the song. around the world. It made it to number one in Italy. It made it to number one here and there. But it also ignited this, this phase in which reggaeton became the dominant, quote-unquote, urban music of Latin America and Latino populations in the U.S., and especially for um, a period of time, I would say from about 2005 to 2009, 2010. And, and it continues to be incredibly important throughout the Spanish-speaking world. Cuba is another place where reggaeton is quite popular. Initially, it was seen more based on the eastern part of the island in Oriente, as opposed to Havana, which you know, still had a very strong salsa, timba scene, and, and of course still does. But reggaeton has apparently made great inroads across Cuba, even displacing the well-established hip-hop scene in certain places, uh, and yet doing so really as an underground phenomenon, you know, without access to, for the most part, without access to state resources, radio, media, that kind of thing, but really circulating through burned uh, CD 
CDs and so forth. And, you know, where increasingly you also get, especially as it becomes more popular and, and commercially viable, you get an attempt to Cubanize it. And that takes lots of different forms. There are certain, you know, there, there are some groups who have really worked to sample, you know, Cuban music in, in order to, to give it a, a kind of Cuban sound. There are other guys like, like Candyman or uh, El Medico, uh, both of them from Oriente, who I think draw on Oriente's sort of strong integration with that part of the Caribbean to, to give it their own style too. Well, you know, reggaeton is huge across the Spanish-speaking world, especially Latin America and the Caribbean. Of course, Puerto Rico in many ways is still seen as its center, certainly for the Caribbean. You know, what, what are now tantamount to pop stars, uh, you know, Weezy and Yandel, Joel and Randy, these guys who, you know, they're, they're on the pop charts there and what they're doing is very integrated into the industry there. What's interesting about the Dembo is that it later reappeared in the last couple of years in the Dominican Republic in a style of music known as Dominican Dembo. So here is Jamaica conquering uh, yet another country, which is uh, the Dominican Republic. Reggaeton has been popular, you know, since its rise in, in the Dominican Republic, but it actually was outlawed from being played on the radio because of suggestive lyrics and, and so forth, and you know, and many cried censorship about this but on, on the street level is always popular continues to be but a new style has has called has risen up called Dominican Dembo which goes back to the old school sound the more sample based sound before things got this sort of glossy production value that happened in, in the kind of reggaeton's glorious years and went back to that same track of Venus and Flyers rhythm the bam bam rhythm the, the, the three guitar hit and just these songs completely composed of this same totally old sample um, and, and the bed up Dembo beat and this sort of like new kind of humorous lyrics that are put over it and so it's you know it's it's Jamaican music kind of striking again years later hello welcome from an autumnal London yes how Jamaica is back after 80 months of silence and other podcasts the fabled reggaeton show has been completed for lots of reasons, this is a special show for me. Firstly, reggaeton is a topic I knew next to nothing about before embarking on this series. And secondly, I love the knowledge that Wayne and Marlon bring, and having them on the show makes it feel like a How Do You Make a podcast. If you want to see what I've been up to in the absence of How Do You Make a shows, you can search for 1001 Conversations, 10 American Presidents, Mid-Atlantic, or Dumpty Dum, all podcasts that are produced on a variety of different topics. Now the belts and braces stuff. You can follow me on Twitter where I'm at Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D, or you can follow me where I'm also How Jamaica. There is a Facebook group, so you can search for How Jamaica Conquered the World on the Book of Face. You can also donate to the project, um, and a few people have, so thank you for that, via the website, which is howjamaicaconquerdtheworld.com, or you can email me at royfield at gmail.com if you'd like to uh, tell me what you think about the show. See you all again soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.